Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He plays a fair amount in line. I need to give him some credit. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. It's the last ownership top stacks one of the season. You'll be hearing me say that throughout the week, just to remind everyone that the season's coming to a close and it is unfortunate. We have basketball. I love basketball. I love DFS basketball. I love watching it. I love everything about it, but I'm going to miss football. Fortunately though, we're going to have some big time playoff slates postseason six games in the opening week of the wild card round. I'm Dave Lochran on Twitter at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. And with me as always, of course, for the last time, this is sad. Kyle Gajeski at Kyle tweets here on the Twitter and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. Matt, it's the last ownership top stack show and we have 15 games to cover. This will not be easy, but we'll get through it. I'm excited, man. And I am really excited for playoffs, too. I know Kyle's not a fan of the short slates. I like it, and not just from a workload position either way. You you and I talk showdown a lot. I really like these short slates where we get to dig into the weeds and talk about the ancillary players. So I'm excited for the postseason for sure. Me too. Matter of fact, Kyle, uh, I'm all about these three and six game slates that we've got coming up, whether it's Saturday, Sunday combined, just Saturday, just Sunday, and then some showdown action, several of them on Saturday and Sunday. As much as I love these bigger slates, I think I'm forward-looking to uh, to this postseason because only one team in each conference has a bye. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten buried. Like, I'm, I've been profitable this year, and my worst slates by a – like, I've gotten swept, like, literally made no money back on two of the three, like, uh, the two or three-game slates – Those have been terrible for me. But on the other hand, I didn't think about this. A lot of showdown and showdown has been my most profitable contest type. So, you know, hopefully we can balance those out and I don't get absolutely buried on these three gamers. But, uh, you know, I like more football. So that's always good. Yep. uh, More football is always good. And um, well, did I say Kyle Gajeski? You did. And it's not going to help that people already, like, since the beginning of the season, were like, are these guys brothers? Because we're just like white scruffy (laughs) dudes with glasses and like, you know, just that Midwest look. And now you've given us the same last name. It's uh, It feels like we'll be intertwined for, I don't know, a decade or more at least. My fault. Kyle Dvorak at Kyle tweets here. But I got the Twitter handle, right? That's all that matters. You'll figure Honestly, it out for yes. yourself. Once you go and follow him, what you should do, and myself and Matt. Um, yeah, Matt, quite frankly, these 15-game slates are the ones that I always feel least confident in. But being able to do these shows and work, th- work through them, 
uh, makes it a whole lot easier. Quickly, boys, just to hit on our review from week 16, uh, last review as well, unfortunately. The Millie Maker winner and the Slant winner, Matt, both had quarterback, running back, wide receiver combo. It had Deshaun Watson with David Johnson along with Brandon Cooks, and then some combination of T. Higgins, Michael Gallup. I forget which defenses there were. One of them had David Montgomery. But you get the point here. Uh, Again, we've seen a, I don't want to say unorthodox, but a less than standard type of lineup construction win these. And I said on yesterday's show, I said on Monday's show, going into 2021, when I uh, start looking at NFL again, I'm definitely going to not necessarily revamp the process, but I think when it comes to fantasy cruncher, I'm going to become a little bit more lenient in, in what I'm allowing into my lineups. I think that's a good way to go. That game scored 68 points. I mean, when yeah. you have that many points in a game, taking on negative correlation isn't necessarily a bad thing. And especially when you're dealing with the Bengals and the Texans, like those weren't exactly the most expensive stacks on the entire slate. So when you can get an affordable wide receiver RB QB combo, I'm completely fine with that in the right game environments. And that Cincinnati Texans game certainly was. Hey, and by, by the way, one more thing, Matt, uh, how are you feeling on Christmas Eve? You shotgun the four loco, which I think <laughs> everyone was impressed with. You were the star of the show. That was the general consensus. And then you kept drinking a little bit afterwards uh, did you feel okay the next morning? Was it something that you started early enough in the day that you woke up on, on Christmas morning feeling great? I got my hangover around 5 p.m. I stopped <laughs> drinking late in the afternoon. I fell asleep and I woke up and I had a slight hangover. Yeah. Okay. So that's a win. I would consider that a win. That's covering no, the spread by 20 points. <laughs> Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. Not at all. Um You know, Kyle, and another thing, too, that we've discussed early this week following up on week 16 and other games is it's not just being loose about uh, allowing, say, the wide receiver running back without the quarterback that we've discussed so often uh, over the past month and a half. It's won a lot. Um, But more so, you look at this week, I know T. Higgins was a run back in these lineups, but you're also seeing a lot of onslaught lineups win where it's not the three players from this team, two or three from this team that we saw win a lot in in the past. The league has become so high scoring that when you look at some of these games, look at some of the scores that we've seen. Of course, Alvin Kamara scored six of the seven touchdowns for the Saints uh, on, on, on Christmas Day football. But so many other games where these teams are scoring 40, 50 points and their opposition, I think the Bears went scored one like 42-17. The Saints routed um, whoever it was. I don't even remember at this point. Uh, the, 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 I don't know. The, uh, oh, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks crushed Detroit. And that's just a couple examples from the, this week alone. Some of those onslaught lineups, if you're getting it right, are crushing uh, because, hey, when you score 45 points, 50 points on one team, it's going to take you places. Yeah, I especially think this is useful information for the three-game slates and eventually I think two-game slates we'll have coming up is the onslaught lineups have absolutely buried on, like it was, a, I believe it was a Texans onslaught that won on Thanksgiving on the two-game slate. We had another two-game slate where I think it was a, a Bills two-gamer on The Monday. Bills have done it twice, twice in the last three weeks a Bills onslaught has won it. No, three times. I'm sorry, three times. <laughs> Five times in the past three weeks, ten times. No, I mean. <laughs> it but actually I, has been three times though, either two or three uh, showdown slates, yeah. 
Yeah, and on the mini slates too, they had, I think it was their game versus San Francisco. They put up a ton of points and that was a two game Monday night because of the scheduling changes. That onslaught won the small Monday night main slate type of, uh, you know, if you want to call it that. So we're looking at a lot of times where I think it is specific to the context. If we have two games that are going to be crazy shootouts, you probably need to mix more of them in. But if we have a two game or a three game slate where one of them looks like the Bucks can drop 40 and none of the other games are all that inspiring, those are probably spots where the field isn't thinking like the field still thinks, well, I'm going to pick some players from this game, some from that game. Of course, I'll use Brady as my quarterback, but I'll stack them once, maybe twice. And if they do go out and drop 35, 40 points and the rest of the games are boring, onslaught is just it's like a lock at that point. And we saw that on like Thanksgiving where the it was the Texans went out and just ravaged the Lions. And that game that was like one run back and six Texans won, you know, basically all the stuff. So it depends on the context of the slate. But I think in the right slate, it will go very under owned. For sure. And by onslaught, Matt, I'm also referring to the running backs, right? Like when these teams score as many points as they do you're getting games where Josh Allen has 35 Diggs has 40 Cole Beasley has 23 and even Devin Singletary gets in on the mix. Of course, in that one game, it was that final 50 yard run in, in garbage time for Devin Singletary that meant nothing, but it happened and it was six points. Uh, And you had that where there were literally six Buffalo Bills on a two-game slate, might have even been a three-game slate, that were in the winning lineup, including the Buffalo defense, because they got a touchdown from, I don't know if it was Tyler Croft or Dawson Knox. One of those guys also scored. So across the board, uh, these are are becoming uh, pretty viable. It's just a matter of which ones are we willing to say, hey, I think this could be one of those onslaught games, and I'm willing to look at it. Yeah, and I think there's really two things that we need to consider here. One is the size of the slate. So if you have a 15-game slate, there's just more chances for someone else to outscore you at those various positions. So I do like it on smaller slates. Kyle mentioned a few of them, like the turbo slates and the Thanksgiving. Of course, when there's two or three games, those make a lot more sense. And then again, price just has to be a consideration. At the running back position, I think it helps a lot if you have a pass catcher at the running back position. While it's not a huge correlation, you know, David Johnson catching some passes does help there too. So I would rather have that than someone like, I don't know, Gus Edwards. Yeah, Gus Edwards. AJ Dillon, although that one also worked out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short on slate though. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a strategy that we're willing to talk about. And with a 15-game slate, like you said, Matt, it is definitely going to be different. Um, But it's time to jump into it. Let's kick it off with our uh, chalk running backs. We go running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then we hit on our top stacks throughout the uh, or for week 15, whether it's the highest probability of being a top stack or just some of the lower owned stacks we're looking at. It's different on a week like this. You're just not going to see any insane ownership for teams or for individual players because there's so many games to choose from and so many great players. Uh, and we begin with running back where Kyle, oh, oh, you know what? Did I? I didn't say I'm happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up and hit that subscribe. If you haven't done so yet, we had our highest jump in subscribers for a week that we've ever had since we started at awesome. over the last one week. So thank you guys for that. Incredible. We're way on our way to 50 or well on our way to 50,000 subs. We got about 4,000 more to go. So if you like what we do, if you think we helped you and you're not subscribed yet to the channel, hit that subscribe button. We'll show up in your browse feed, your recommended feature uh, or feed. You'll always know when we're live. And of course, uh, it is going to help us. It's going to help you. And if you hate it, just click unsubscribe and you never have to deal with us again. 
Now that that's out of the way, Kyle, running back position, look at some of the chalk up top. You have Dalvin Cook, you have DeAndre Swift, you have Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, but no one right now above 20%. Let's start with Dalvin Cook all the way up here at 9,400 or 9,200 in the same neighborhood as Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. What are we doing in this 9K range as far as ownership is concerned? Yeah, so I, I think I, Dalvin Cook makes a ton of sense, especially if so. If Stafford isn't practicing today. I was just scrolling through Twitter because, like, I'm perennially online. I just can't log myself off, but I get to bring it's you healthy. guys. It's it's incredibly healthy for both my physical and mental health because it keeps me inside, away from the sun, and always you know focusing on something, never relaxing, which are both good things as far as I can tell. No, but Stafford not uh, not uh, practicing so far. If he doesn't play, which I mean. If he's banged up at all, which he's dealing with like three different injuries right now, there's not really much of a reason. I mean, there's no reason to play him, literally no reason to playing for nothing. We saw with Chase Daniel, like this is a team that just cannot like move the football. They will be giving up three and outs and turning the ball over at such a crazy clip that like you're going to get an incredible amount of overall volume from the from the Minnesota offense. And obviously we know if that's the case, it's going to be a lot of Dalvin Cook. So from that perspective, it makes a ton of sense. I get absolutely why you go to Dalvin Cook and you're not even eating a ton of ownership. It's less than 20%, which is a bit atypical, but I do think this is a slate with a lot of value. I'd be fine pivoting down though. Like I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not the, the biggest big dog Stan, but for almost 10% less ownership at the same price in roughly equally as good of a spot. I don't know. I think Derrick Henry is just, he's, he's probably just as fine of a play as Dalvin Cook and at 10% ownership, I'd make the pivot. I probably won't uh, like rule either of them out. There are slates where we get, 35, 40% Derrick Henry, and I just X him out. And sometimes that bites me, and sometimes I make a lot of money out of it. Dalvin Cook doesn't reach that threshold. He's not a bad play. I just think Derrick Henry may be as good of a play at lower ownership, but Dalvin Cook's good too. I absolutely love Derrick Henry this week, Matt, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, like Kyle said, it, it, and Osimo, you you infrequently hear, oh, Dalvin Cook's my favorite player because, you know, the, the lack of pass catching upside. Perfect example would have been la- uh, last game against Green Bay, right? He still had 23 carries. Like, it didn't even matter. They can- First and second down, they're running him the football down by 25 or whatever it was. So he's going to get the ball. But this is a must-win game for them. Tied in the, uh, in the division with the Indianapolis Colts, both of them at 11-4. and four. I, I don't anticipate him getting to that 2K mark because he'd need one of the biggest games ever. But at half the ownership right now is Dalvin Cook. I do think Derrick Henry could have a massive game against Houston, especially given the Tennessee Titans have the highest implied total of the week at 32. What are you doing with the highest owned chalk on this slate? And is there anyone you think is a good pivot in that top tier of uh, salary? I absolutely agree with you on Derrick Henry. The implied team total is massive. They're favored in the spot. It's a fantastic matchup against a poor Houston run defense. And the game's actually competitive. They have something to play for. Minnesota, Detroit, those are two teams that are eliminated from the playoffs. And I know people are going to be playing for their jobs and everything. But if Detroit just can't move the ball, how long does Dalvin Cook actually stay in this game? It has a 54 and a half total. I strongly favor the under in that spot. So I'm not as keen on taking some of these really expensive players in non-competitive games. I would rather pay down in those spots and take a look at some of the studs in other matchups. Derrick Henry is the perfect pivot. Yeah, he is. What about now, Matt, what, what about when it comes to Alvin Kamara? Uh, he's the highest price running back coming off, you know, the biggest, I'm pretty sure it was the biggest running back game for fantasy from a fantasy sense ever 
I think Jerry Rice is the only one with a bigger fantasy game than than Alvin Kamara at this point. He had you know 155 and six rushing touchdowns, which is preposterous. Uh, his price has come up a lot, 1600 overnight, and he's got a matchup in a very sweet spot against Carolina, but his ownership is right in the middle of Derrick Henry and, and Dalvin cook in that 15% range. So of these three, which one would you say is your favorite this week for tournaments? It's Derrick Henry for me right now. I'm fine getting to Alvin Kamara. I think the matchup is a little bit worse. You're not looking at as many points being scored overall. They have a 47 and a half total there. Kamara obviously benefits from another, a number of factors, including Michael Thomas being out on the injured reserve if his ownership climbs, which I'm sure it will throughout the week, I'll be looking to pivot to Derrick Henry. And if I don't even play Henry, I'm willing to just look at a different build overall too. maybe just avoid that 9K running back range and try to build something balanced because right now it looks like that will be a little contrarian as well. Jonathan Taylor coming in around 17%, Kyle. Uh, yet another spot here where I think you have to take, uh, you have to look at this with a little bit of context, right? against Jacksonville they need this win the best approach is just to run him until the wheels fall off which he's young you're not really too worried although he had a ton of touches in college Uh, but his volume his workload has been huge recently 16 plus carries in five or four of his last five games 18 16 and 20 over his last three with five touchdowns on the ground over that span is Jonathan Taylor at 17 percent Um, viable to you because 17% doesn't seem that high in a spot against Jacksonville. Yeah. He kind of falls in that Dalvin cook tier where I get why you'd play him except for him. There's actually not like a ton of like, I cleanly take him over Aaron Jones in that same price range. I think like I'd take him at, I I don't know, David Montgomery. I'd probably take him over David Montgomery because David Montgomery's team is actually probably like projected to lose this week. Whereas it is the second highest implied team total of the slate with the Colts. So I think it's sort of that Dalvin cook where he's a, he's a high price, but he makes sense for his price. Except with Dalvin cook, I think there are opportunity costs. You forego a Derrick Henry. I don't feel bad about foregoing David Montgomery or foregoing, you know, like uh, who did I say? Aaron Jones. I don't feel bad about foregoing these guys. I think he's the best play in his price range. So now that I talk about it, though, I think there are a lot of running backs that I'd like to play that aren't Dalvin Cook that I actually might just rule Dalvin Cook out of, out of Fantasy Crunch. I said, I was like, well, you could keep men. I think the opportunity cost with Dalvin Cook is high. I think that opportunity cost falls greatly when you look at someone like Jonathan Taylor because of his team total, because they're massive favorites, and because in his price range, I think he's clearly the best play. So I actually think Jonathan Taylor at his ownership is fine if I've already committed to fading Dalvin Cook. And now we haven't brought up DeAndre Swift, but he kind of falls in that Dalvin Cook range. Honestly, like Jeff Wilson, DeAndre Swift, like, is there a big difference? I No, I don't think there is. I think I might even have Jeff Wilson projected for more points. So yeah, I, I think it's all about what are you giving up when you choose to play some of these players. Jonathan Taylor falls into a range where I don't think you give up a lot when you choose to take him over the alternatives. On the other side of Dalvin Cook in this same game, Matt, you've got DeAndre Swift projected for the second most ownership, uh, not in this game, but on the slate at running back 19%. Listen, since returning, he's had some some solid games. He was uh, pretty integral in people winning tournaments a couple weeks ago against Tennessee, uh, really st- struggled against Tampa, but I think that was anticipated yet. He has seen, and, and Ben Rossa made this point uh, on Sunday, he has seen four or more targets in all but one game that he's played this season. He's seen five targets now in six or five straight games, but he hasn't seen more than five targets in a single game all season long. So as touchdown plus dogs, 
Yeah, he's probably going to get four or five looks. I don't know how much more than that. I don't know if Stafford will play. If there's anyone that that, that is injured and banged up in every part of his body and ends up playing, it's it's usually Matthew Stafford. But uh, I don't know. To me, that Swift ownership seems a little bit high right now. What do you say? I think he's an easy fade if Stafford doesn't play. And I'm considering a fade even if Stafford does play because he'll clearly be limited. Looked like a severe injury, but Stafford's just a warrior like Stafford. Stafford man refusing to ride the cart like Stafford just trying to play through everything it is awesome like the dude is a warrior gotta respect Stafford but I just don't know how many points this Detroit Lions team is going to score and on a 15 game slate that's a lot of opportunity cost to take a severe underdog with a lot of efficiency concerns I tell you what Matt there's one guy that I haven't heard discussed at all and that's because he's questionable but uh, my favorite pivot in this area, as much as I love Jeff Wilson, I've liked Wilson all year long when he's been in, in opportune spots. But for me, it's Cam Akers. And you don't hear much about this. He's going up against Arizona. They don't have a quarterback, um, but they have a very, very competent defense. And Kyler Murray may or may not play. If he plays, he's probably not going to be at 100%. Cliff Kingsbury said he's hopeful, but who knows what that means? Both teams need this win. Cam Akers, before the injury, saw uh, carry counts of 21, 29, and 15. Against the Jets, he only saw 15 because he was injured, and they were playing from behind uh, in what really began as a, as a brutally ugly game. Daryl Henderson's already out. Malcolm Brown simply is not a bell cow back. If Cam Akers practices throughout the week and plays, I promise you I am going to have a lot of him at 6,100, especially if his ownership holds below 5%. I'll go right back to the well there. He's a great play at that ownership, assuming he's healthy. I mean, the Rams are favored in the game, not by much, but that's still a strong indication they should have a run-heavy script, which we know they're one of the most sensitive teams to game script in the NFL. Then you want to talk matchups, Arizona's bottom five in yards per attempt allowed to opposing rushers. So this does set up for Cam Akers, and then you throw in the 5% ownership, Man, it's yeah. every time we have a situation like this, it seems like we're printing money ahead of time. I'll be playing Cam Akers too. What about you, Kyle? Any other pivots here that we haven't talked about? On the Cam Akers front, I was like legitimately of the opinion there's no way this dude plays. Like they were saying he's missing at least week 16. But if he does play, it's going to be one of those situations where we don't know until late in the week. That will almost certainly keep his ownership in check. So I, I don't anticipate him playing. If he does, though, I think people are probably approaching it like I am. And they're like, there's no way he plays. And if they build their lineups at any time before, like, like he could be a guy, a guy who we don't know if he plays until – an hour and a half before lock, or I guess if they're a late game, even later than that. So he's a guy I definitely monitor because I think there's no way his ownership really gets too high because we just won't know about him. And when people don't know, they just like completely rule him out. So I'd watch him. I don't think he plays, but if he does, that would be a really solid spot. Miles Gaskin at 6,500. I'll take at the ownership discount. Miles Gaskin is 6% owned right now. And we have Swift at 19 I will take Miles Gaskin in almost an identical role to DeAndre Swift on an offense that at like at worst is going to be starting Tua versus Chase Daniels offense, uh, you know, or a broken Matt Stafford offense. This looks like a perfect spot for someone like Miles Gaskin, who we saw last week out carried Salvin Ahmed 14 to six, I believe. He saw five targets, caught all of them, and he took like I think it was 12 or 14 of his 48 snaps lined up as an actual receiver, either uh, like in the slot or out wide. He's like it's what we saw from him earlier in the year. He's a bell cow back at his price and at his ownership. He is the exact same, like the exact same style of play as DeAndre Swift. And he's the same price, essentially, you know, 200 different. And people are 
three times more likely to play Swift. I just don't get that. So, of course, I'll be jamming in Miles Gaskin again. One more player, Matt, that I think probably warrants some conversation is Dare Ogumboale uh, for these two reasons. One, we already know that James Robinson has been ruled out. Two, it doesn't matter, apparently, if they're up by 20 or down by 50. The latter is more likely in pretty much every matchup they have. Doug Marone is just going to run his, his whoever the bell cow running back is for that day into the ground. Uh, case in point, uh, he had with Robinson out 14 attempts for 71 yards in a game. They lost 41 to 17. He's $4,500. I'm not saying he's great, but he had eight, uh, 19 total looks in that game, five targets and 14 attempts, $4,500. I don't know what his ownership is going to be right now. We don't have it updated for James Robinson being out. But I am, I am intrigued by a guy that's $500 north of minimum salary and had 19 looks in a game they got blown out by 24 points. And historically, this guy's a pass catcher. That was basically his role in Tampa Bay last year, third down specialist. And then, you know, Jacksonville, they're a different breed. They're just going to turn this guy into a bell cow back, regardless of what his skill set is. So now you add on the rushing ability. Darwe Agumboala makes a lot of sense to me. And I think Miles Gaskin is also in a fantastic spot. If you want to talk matchups with Miles Gaskin, Buffalo also bottom five in yards per attempt allowed. And with Buffalo, they're, how they're going to approach this game is a, a little bit concerning, I think, just because Pittsburgh, with them resting their starters, they're really the main competition for Buffalo as far as playoff races right now. If Pittsburgh like gets down early in that game, I think we could see Buffalo rest some starters. And this is a must win for Miami. So I think they'll be playing competitively. And that makes me like Gaskin. We have a, a new promo code. It's pretty incredible. And it's, well, ushering in a new year after a brutal 2020. So celebrate it with us. 2021 is on the horizon. And here's what we're doing. Awesome o Plus gives you access to everything, right? The Awesome o Plus Platinum gives you uh, ownership projections, player projections. That's for all sports, right? And then the top stack tools for all sports that have stacking involved. The top plays tools, the top driver tools for NASCAR, top golfer tools for PGA, you name it. All of these tools built by the number one ranked DFS player in the world, Alex Baker, Osimo himself. These are tools that he uses. We don't just stick his name on them. They are on the site because he uses them, and we want you to be able to use them as well and get better as DFS players. All of this, right? Everything for $20 when you use the promo code 2021. 20, uh, 21 days for $20 using the promo code 2021 at checkout. It gets you everything I just talked about. The lineup builder, the premium articles. Check it out for yourself. Go to awesome.com slash join. Check out everything we have to offer before making the decision. But I promise you, for 20 bucks, there's no reason not to check this out. You get full three weeks for $20. It's an awesome deal. Everything on the site. And if you decide that, hey, I really like, I like what you guys do here. Uh, I want to, I, I want to just make a longer term commitment, lock myself in and have this, have this content, have these tools, have these articles, information, the lineup builder and all that stuff for a longer period of time and not have to worry about it. Well, if you use the promo code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y, you'll get 20% off everything for Awesome Up Plus yearly platinum pass. So the annual Awesome Up Plus platinum, which is everything on the site, 20% off if you use that promo code HAPPY. So again, 2021 gets you 21 days for $20, Awesome Up Plus platinum, and then HAPPY gets you 20% off the annual Awesome Up Plus platinum. 
We'll see you over there. If you have any questions, you know where to find me. DM me at Lafayette underscore D on Twitter, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. But seriously, check that out. Use them at checkout at awesome.com slash join. All right, uh, Matt, or sorry, Kyle, let's talk wide receivers. A ton of them to get into today. There's no real significant chalk. Devontae Adams is coming in around 17, 18%. Then it drops off to Robbie Anderson and Diggs around 12, 13. Marvin Jones at 12%. Justin Jefferson at 11. But I guess it's only reasonable that we start with Devontae Adams because at 9,200, he is the highest priced wide receiver by a, a wide margin, $700 to be exact. Yeah, I think. Uh even more so than like the highest priced running backs, he makes probably the most sense out of all of them, just because you look at uh, like really who's going to compete with him at the highest level. It's potentially the best game you get from Stefan Diggs. I mean, I don't even see like either the Seattle receivers ever really standing much of a chance because their game doesn't look to be like the most competitive game, you know, San Francisco kind of dusting at this point. So you're not really giving up much when you play Devonte Adams, other than the literal salary, which is expensive, but does anyone like have a great likelihood of outscoring him? I know receiver is like the more random of positions when we look at them versus running back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I don't think so. Like, if there were a top, you know, a quote, top stack tool just for receivers, it, in my opinion, would be one of those spots where you say, oh, Devontae Adams, he's going to be owned by 17%. Well, his quote, top stack, or I would just say top scoring probability is like 25 to 30% or something like that, or of being in the top, you know, four, three plus flex would be like 30 plus percent or just something crazy where you say, sure, he's popular, but is he popular enough? I don't really think so. I think given that we have so much value, value at running back, honestly, value at quarterback, I mean, even tight end, there's some decent value to be had. You've got the salary. Why not play Devontae Adams? He's easily like, he's one of the best fantasy receivers in the past few decades. So I'm going to keep rolling with Devontae Adams. I think I'll probably end up over the field pretty significantly if it remains below 20%. Okay. Um, so Dalvin Cook is out for this week. I think we probably should 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 circle back for a moment. No, it doesn't and, sound important. I don't even think I'll update any. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. hit on this. It sucks too, because that's going to blast Derrick Henry's ownership through the roof. Oh, you you're right. Know. My yep. heart. You already know that. Uh, yeah. Courtney Cronin says, who's Courtney Cronin? She's a Vikings. She's a beat. Yeah. What's yeah. that? She's a Vikings beat. Okay. Um, she says, Dalvin Cook had an unexpected family emergency come up oh. on Tuesday and had to return to Miami. He will be unavailable to play in Sunday's finale versus Detroit. So, Stepping back for a moment, Matt, we also have to consider that Alexander Madison, who would likely get a, a pretty significant amount of work, has been dealing with that concussion. He's had a couple injuries over the past few weeks, and he is questionable coming into this game. Do we just do they just sit him? Does Zimmer say, you know what, screw it, Mike Boone at minimum salary, this is your day, big fella. Go put in some work against a terrible, banged up Detroit team that given last week's performance has clearly completely given up on the season. I highly doubt we would get Mike Boone season, 
We've seen Amir Abdullah a lot more than I would like this year. And Mike Boone, he did have this opportunity at one point, and he played horribly in it. If Alexander Madison plays, I still think they probably try to take a look at all three backs. They're all young guys, and they'll be vying for depth. So it's basically like, I don't know, a preseason game. They're probably going to let them all run a little bit. Yeah, that is my biggest concern, Kyle. If if Madison specifically is healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if no one gets the lion's share of work or a hot hand approach comes into play. If someone gets off in an early uh, to an early good start on their first drive or the second, third drive of the game, if they're mixing them up, they just continue to get more opportunities. That that would be a legitimate concern of mine. So uh, I think you want to take some stabs if you're playing 100, 150 lineups on this backfield, but I don't have much confidence just because Dalvin Cook is sitting. Yeah, I would imagine we get decent ownership on Madison. Isn't is he priced at like sixty one hundred? I was scrolling 6, through Twitter. Sixty one hundred. They've been doing that ever since um, the Jamal Williams game and the what was the other one? I, Mike I forget. Davis. Mike Davis. Mike, thank you. Yeah, yeah Mike, that was the bad one. Yeah, Mike Davis and and the Jamal Williams ones. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't end up coming up. I, I guess for me, it's all an ownership game because I do think there will be very real risks that Boone or Amir Abdullah, they want to know if this is going to be their third back going into the 2021 season, especially given that we've seen multiple injuries from Madison, from Dalvin Cook. It probably makes sense for them to try out these guys. Now, if that keeps his ownership at 3%, I'd probably end up playing a ton of Alexander Madison. If he gets up to chalk at 16%, I'd probably go into the field. I think maybe the break even point for me is like in that 10 to 15 percent where I think that's probably efficient ownership given the risk but upside anything below that and I'd go over the field anything above that and I think the risks just aren't worth it when you can kill a lot of lineups if Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone combined for 14 carries or something like that yeah I think we probably see Madison sit if we do I don't know I, I don't I don't know honestly I just think you know when you have a guy dealing with a brain injury Cause that's what a concussion is. There's a website. I forget what it is that lists it as a brain injury instead of a concussion. And it just, it's scary. You know, it makes, makes you feel like it's significant and it is. One of the but, teams uh, even listed a player with that. I forget who it was. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I, I feel like we talked about it on this show too, but uh, if he's out and they say, you know, let's just give him a rest. I actually, I probably would go to Mike Boone because Amir Abdullah as a, as a ball carrier doesn't do a whole lot, but it's still a sketchy situation and one that we'll have to get more clarity on throughout the week. Matt, back to wide receivers. Uh, Kyle hit on some of these top owned guys. What are you doing here? So just to echo Devontae Adams, like the dude is an amazing play. He doesn't have fewer than nine targets in any healthy game this year. So like Devontae Adams in a competitive game, I'm certainly targeting him. And then I'm also just trying to target like competitive games I see Marvin Jones and Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. There's all concerns with the competitiveness of their games. And they're in our top five most owned receivers. The sixth most owned is, is DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson's in there as well. So this seems like a good week to get contrarian contrarian for me. There's plenty of wide receivers in competitive matchups that are coming in with lower ownership. So I think that's one way I'll be approaching the slate. All right. So there's again, and Kyle, I don't want to overstate this, but, I think this is one of those weeks where worrying too much about ownership could get you into some trouble, but Stefan Diggs, like 12% digs is not that insane. When you consider that the top stack probability has the Buffalo bills with the highest start of the week at 14.6. And we can get into, you know, the, the sturdiness of Miami's defense, of course, but I don't know this, this Buffalo offense has looked legitimately automatic 
in, in on the season, particularly the last month and a half. What are your thoughts on guys like Diggs and, and Anderson and DJ Moore uh, and, and Marvin Jones, who his ownership will clearly drop if Stafford doesn't play. But uh, these are all guys right now that are in that double digit range. Yeah, if Stafford doesn't play, I might just like X that game out of my player pool entirely because we saw how terrible they were with Chase Daniel. I don't think they'll get much better. I think Stephon Diggs, like I think you were kind of alluding to it, is in that same Devontae Adams sphere given his price, which like for Adams, it's high, but it feels almost not high enough. The same thing with Stephon Diggs. I mean, he leads the league in receiving yards, receptions. He got up to like eight touchdowns now, which is kind of the one boogaboo of his that he wasn't scoring a ton. So I think, uh, I think he makes sense. I especially think exactly what you said we'll you know we'll tease it for later but given the top stack probability of buffalo and i think maybe we'll get some people going down to cheap quarterbacks this week so it could get you a contrarian approach on top of what i would just call like a quote good play stefan diggs is another guy where at his ownership i think i'm fine just eating like i say i'm eating the ownership it's like 13 percent. so i think both him and adams make a ton of sense in the context of this slate where Sure, Buffalo could end up like benching their guys in the third quarter or whatever, fourth quarter. But I do think they probably have to get up a decent amount there. I mean, you could have survived not playing the final drives in uh, whatever their last game was because they absolutely crushed it up until that point. So there's certainly a little bit of risk. I think the ownership is more than accounting for that risk. Matt, what about the Andre Hopkins at four and a half percent if Kyler Murray plays? It's a tough matchup for sure. But one thought of mine is, the Rams could have a very difficult time moving the football. You might see, despite a tough matchup for Murray and this passing game, with how with how Hop, how good Hopkins is, it's very possible that, that we run into a situation where they just have the football in their hands a lot. Uh, if if Hopkins holds under four five uh, percent at sub eight k, is this someone that you're willing to entertain? I would love if they stopped using him like Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, eight catches for forty eight <laughs> yards. Like I know, I was so frustrating. Like, are they confusing these two players? I'm very con- confused at why they're using DeAndre Hopkins near the line of scrimmage as much as they are. I think if Kyler Murray plays, you still need to take a stab on him. And you mentioned the reasons why he's just a supremely talented player coming down in price. I know the matchup is bad as well, and that should keep ownership down. So I'll, again, take some stabs on DeAndre Hopkins and really hope they don't use him like Larry Fitzgerald. What about you, Kyle? Any pivots here that we like at wide receiver that – might be really good and low owned or might just not be very good in their low owned, but in good spots. Yeah. So I think there's a few, I'm going to see, I can't, man, it's going to be impossible to find. I can't find Gabriel Davis on here. Oh, Cooper cup is out. I'm sorry. Cooper cup is now out for Sunday as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely out. He got put on the COVID list or whatever. Uh, Robert Woods, I'd imagine his ownership comes up, but I don't see, let me see if I can find Cooper cup. Yeah. It looks like we actually already have that one accounted for. I'm not seeing Cooper Cup anywhere on the ownership. 1.4%. So. I saw the Ian Rappaport tweet right now. I missed it earlier in the day that he was placed on the uh, COVID list. I mean, if Robert Woods comes up, if Robert Woods comes up, maybe Josh Reynolds is an interesting pivot, but we're not going to have Jared Goff. So maybe, man, there's a lot of teams I think you could just viably X out given the state of their quarterback play. Potentially, if Robert Woods comes up in ownership, that would make some sense. Also, if they end up running the ball a lot, either of Malcolm Brown or Cam Akers, if he plays, could be good leverage off that. I think Gabriel Davis, I, like, I honestly just can't find this dude. He has uh, apparently no ownership, if you could find it for me. Cole Beasley listed week to week. John Brown got taken off. Uh, I believe he was on IR, got taken off IR, then moved to the reserve COVID list. So at best, he's going to log almost no practices after not playing for three or four weeks. I mean, Gabriel Davis as the number two receiver on the team that our top stack tool says is an absolute smash. 
that feels like free money to me. Okay. Yeah, I like that as well. I uh, also like Richie James, as crazy as it sounds. There's no Debo Samuel. There's no Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, George Kittle's coming back, but I don't know in what capacity for a second week. I'm assuming he'll be fine. But like, you have to throw the ball somewhere. And I don't see C.J. Beathard as a downgrade whatsoever from Nick Mullins. They're pretty much, you know, do you really – are you really going to downgrade everyone else because it's Beathard and not Mullins? I don't see any reason to do that. Uh, we have Richie James right now at 1% uh, at, what, $3,100? So basically the minimum. That, that to me – is, is really something that I'm willing to, to pay a little bit of attention to, especially against that Seattle secondary. Uh, so, yeah, I have interest there. Matt, any lower-owned guys that you like before we talk tight ends? I really am trying to find a way to navigate this Atlanta-Tampa Bay game. And, it's you know, it comes after Tampa Bay has the smash blow-up spot last week. So they're all priced up. But Chris Godwin's still sitting at 6.6K. He's 1.7% ownership in a great matchup. We saw Tom Brady and this team absolutely light Atlanta on fire in the previous matchup. So I think Chris Godwin is worth a look at his ownership, especially after Mike Evans got the scores. Atlanta, I mean, Ridley's priced up, but I still think you can go to him as a GPP play. All right. All of our shows are available in podcast form, by the way, guys. If you haven't listened to them on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever your preferred platform is, just search Awesome, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, and they're anywhere you're looking for them. We got you covered. So the Live Before Lock shows, the Deeper Dive shows for basketball, football, MMA, whatever, you don't want to listen to that in podcast form because it will literally be useless by the time it gets there. But shows like this, uh, if you don't feel like going on YouTube, maybe you don't have YouTube premium, so you don't want to put it in your pocket, uh, or you'd like to put your phone in your pocket maybe while you're doing something and close it. You know, I'll be mowing the lawn or whatever. I'll do work, uh, certain things around the house, and I could just close my phone, put it in my pocket, listen to things, and not have to worry about it. So check it out in the podcast form for sure. And while you're at it, leave us a review. If you like what we do, preferably five stars, a rating, a review. It helps us out a lot. And, uh, you know, thanks to all of you guys being with us. We're doing another uh, giveaway over at Twitter. Check out the pinned tweet. It's a pretty solid one as well because, well, we're always doing solid giveaways. Right now for this one, it's an NBA giveaway. You win an Awesome O Plus NBA year, year, full year of Awesome O Plus NBA. All you got to do is predict whether Damian Lillard or Paul George score the most points tonight, and one of you guys who gets it right will randomly be selected for our giveaway uh, again, Awesome Plus Platinum NBA product, a full year of it just to follow the directions. Guess which one of those uh, scores the most points. So good luck to you. And again, check everything out in the podcast form if you'd like to do that. All right, Kyle, tight ends here. Let's make it happen. Not exactly a stacked position on any given week, but we have 15 games. So there's something to talk about here. George Kittle and um, Darren Waller coming in at the top. TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram rounding out the double digit range. And then it kind of falls off a cliff. Waller's a stud, but Kittle went healthy and not limited is even a, is an even bigger stud. I can't get away from $6,000 George Kittle this week against the Seattle Seahawks. Call me crazy. I, call me whatever you want. 6K Kittle, if he comes back, because even though he didn't run a lot of, or play a lot of, run a lot of routes, sorry, last week, he did get targeted on like 30% of them or something. So if he's on the field, I'm playing him. What are you doing with the tight end shot? Yeah, I think you, I mean, you laid out exactly what I would make as my argument to play George Kittle, which I like, I'm, I've already made that argument what, to myself. He's good. He's very good. He's not going to be super chalk and he's not expensive either. If we were talking about, he had gotten priced up 
to what we think like a healthy George Kittle price is fair. What's it like 72, 73, maybe, especially without Iguke, without Debo, I'd say, okay, well, you know, there's some risk that he ends up, I think he played almost exactly half the snaps last week. There's some risk that uh, that doesn't pan out. He plays half again and it doesn't work out at 6k as not even the highest owned tight end hovering around 10%. I'm just jamming him. And we saw like last week, although he didn't play all the snaps, he was perfect George Kittle. He got targeted five times and turned it into just shy of a hundred yards. As you were saying, when he was on the field running routes, he was getting targeted at a crazy clip. If that actually like jumps up to just over half the snaps, 75% of the snaps, and it would make sense without Brandon Ayuk now, he, he's going to kill. He's going to dominate. It's this terrible Seattle defense. It's George Kittle as a like unquestioned number one receiver again, because their other options are like number five receivers on most other teams. Yeah, I'd be pivoting to from Darren Waller to George Kittle every single time we get this dynamic. What about you, Matt? Top of the tight end position for ownership, four guys above 10%. You guys are on it. It's really hard not to play George Kittle and just adding into everything you already mentioned. The guy doesn't care about his body or the fact that they're not viable in the playoffs. He just so wants have, to play. He's like Matthew Stafford, man, and we got to love it. So I think George Kittle out of the highly owned players is the guy I'll be isolating. And otherwise, I think I'll just be punting the position like normal. So talk to me then, Matt. Who would you be? Who would you be punting here? On look, I, there's 15 games. Kyle mentioned that he likes some value. Uh, maybe I'm blind to this. I couldn't find anyone that I felt really good about at this position that was a viable punt. Maybe like a Jordan Aikens or something. Do you have anyone here that you really like as a punt? If we're not paying up, I don't really like anyone in the 3K or below range. I, I'm with you. I don't think there's any just raw pure punt plays. Save all the money. I think I'm comfortable with players sort of in that mid-range. If you want to talk players like Hayden Hurst, who I mentioned that Atlanta matchup against Tampa Bay is a good game environment with a total above 50, and he's filling the tight end position. You can correlate him easy with your stacks. I think that's a position I'll be looking at. And then in another game, Jonu Smith stands out to me as perhaps a contrarian play in what looks like a competitive game, especially for Tennessee needing to win that. Again, just 3800 for him. So that's not egregious as far as pricing goes. It's not. And, and just one more thing. This is the cheapest outside of last week. The This is the cheapest Kittle's been all year. So I just keep coming back to a 6K salary and thinking, how do I, you know, how do I ignore something like that? Kyle, who did you talk, who, who are you referring to or alluding to when you talked about value here? It's the a, the XFL superstar himself, Donald Parham. Oh. I know last week he got like three targets. He didn't do a ton. I mean, he actually did decent with three targets, but he was still first on the team in tight end routes run. He ran like three times as many routes as Steven Anderson. He was on the field for over 80% of the snaps. Like, like it makes some sense. I, as long as Hunter Henry doesn't play, he was uh, like listed questionable sick and then got put on the reserve COVID list. So it seems like, although I'm not sure if we know this for sure, that he would have been a positive test. Obviously this is all if he doesn't play, but like Donald Parham was clearly the starter tight end. He was clearly the primary pass catcher. I think things just kind of broke funny in Steven Anderson's way at 2,900. I'm willing to go back to him because this, like, as long as they are playing their healthy starters, this has been an offense we've been targeting all season. Now you're telling me I can get like a, a near every down player four out of five snaps. He was playing, he was running routes more than Steven Anderson at 2,900. I'm actually fine going back to that. Cause he's so cheap. All right. My favorite part of the show, it's time for top stacks pivots at the stack position and just some overall low ownership stacks that may or may not be good plays. Matt, Right now, our top stack probability, top stack tool, you've heard us talk about it. It's at awesomeo.com, and you can use it for these slates. You can even use it for showdown with the top plays tool, which is similar to this, taking probabilities into account. So valuable. 
uh, for all of the sports boom bust tool for basketball and everything, but I will, uh, I, I will stop talking about that. You guys can check it out for yourself. 14.6% for Buffalo, 10.4% for green Bay, 9.1 for Houston, 8.4 for Atlanta, 7.2 for Minnesota. Um, I, I think you could make a really good argument for Houston, a really good argument for green Bay and Atlanta. The ownership here on Matt Ryan is so low projected right now. So low, uh, despite a much higher top stack probability and despite his price being below $6,000. So I think there's a lot to talk about here at the top. I can talk about Atlanta some more. I mean, Please. I love I love Matt Ryan in this spot. These teams met two weeks ago and he threw for 356 yards and three scores. It was honestly one of the best games we've seen from Matt Ryan this year. And that doesn't mean he'll have this game again, but Matt Ryan's been playing well of late. He has 300 yards in each of his last two games. His completion percentage has risen too, so I'm certainly okay with that. And you know your stud at the top, Calvin Ridley, is going to be there. Of course, we talked about Hayden Hurst. He just correlates at a position that's dreadful outside of Waller and Kittle. And then you have Russell Gage if you'd like someone else. There's easy runbacks on the other side, and Godwin Evans, Antonio Brown, Gronk if you're not using Hurst. So that is a stack I like a lot, and I'm happy to see it come in with just 2% ownership. Yeah, and, and another thing, Matt, when I, I think I mentioned this on a show earlier in the week. I think it was yesterday's first look show. Very seldom do you get – a team with this top stack probability and the ability to pop off. And you have a receiver like Calvin Ridley, who is so expensive and has been so good. Usually the quarterback is also pretty expensive. Like the number one receiver, you take Devonte Adams, super, cha- uh, super pricey. Aaron Rodgers is going to make, you're going to have to pay for him, whether it's Tyree kill or Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes is expensive. Kyler Murray's expensive. Deandre Hopkins is expensive. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. But in a case like this, yeah, you got to pay for Ridley, but you don't really have to pay a ton for Gage, and you don't have to pay anything, basically, for Matt Ryan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You mentioned all the reasons I'm interested in this. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised to see Buffalo come in so high, just given the nature of that game. I would rather pivot to something like Atlanta, just with the uncertainty and the competitiveness of that game. Yeah, and look, good points from from Matt, Kyle, but I will say this much. If Buffalo really does come in, with like 5% stack ownership with Allen around five, 6% Stefan Diggs in that 10% low double digit range. And Gabriel Davis, as you mentioned, not being very chalky, I'm willing to overlook a, a an ugly matchup for an offense that has been legitimately unstoppable lately. So it is an interesting spot, whether you look at it as good or bad. Yeah. I mean, ownership is going to be the biggest predictor of that one because it looks like essentially every spot for Josh Allen is a good spot. I mean, at you know week two maybe we weren't saying this because we didn't know what josh allen was we know now that he is a top three or four quarterback in terms of fantasy purposes and honestly in like real life purposes he's been incredible so if this ownership holds yeah i'll probably be playing a lot i've got one that i legitimately had to like look for news that would have impacted this we have the chargers as a 0.1 percent stack ownership for qb ownership alone the stack ownership technically will be even lower and like i get that their game may not be as exciting but it could be a game and that's because the chiefs are going to rest their starters but it could be a game where the chiefs cannot get like hold possession and they're resting defensive starters and like justin herbert just completely rolls over them like i don't get why 0.1 percent i could see two three percent but 0.1 percent like uh you know proportionally they are the biggest advantage like that you'd ever find in terms of we have them as like a you know three and a half percent top stack probability versus 0.1 percent ownership and all their guys are going to be relatively cheap uh chargers seems like an easy play to just have a handful of lineups in and you'd be like you know 10xing the field or whatever i like it 
Um, and here's one I have too, Matt. And I'm assuming you've got yourself a lower owned stack we can talk on touch on too, because there's just so many. We Atlanta really has the biggest disparity between yeah. ownership and and top stack probability. We touched on that. Buffalo and uh, Buffalo is pretty significant as well. Uh, I, I'll go straight to um, I, I, actually Green Bay is an obvious one that, that's pretty significant too. This one doesn't have a big disparity in ownership and top stack probability, but the ownership is very low. Going to Tennessee, sub 4% stack ownership. Ryan Tannehill just ran in a 19-yard touchdown the other day, cut into Derrick Henry's opportunities. A.J. Brown is a stud. Johnny Smith is good enough. Uh, and then Corey Davis, despite that goose egg, is still a very solid number two that has racked up a fair amount of 100-yard games this season, more than A.J. Brown to be exact. So if they're going to get no ownership – and Houston's going to be massively owned on the other side of this game. And Derrick Henry with Dalvin Cook out, I'm just assuming that he's going to see a lot more ownership. I, I think I've mentioned it probably 100 times throughout the season. Tennessee is always a low-owned stack that I am willing to get to because when Tannehill needs to throw, even when he doesn't need to, he can, and he's been good, and he's had some really big games this season. What about you, Matt? Who do you have here? I'm with you on that. I, Atlanta's already like low owned enough for me, but if you're getting really contrarian, I think, you know, like Chicago makes some sense. They're going to carry some ownership, but there's just a lot of teams that aren't very competitive this week. You know, like Detroit in that high total game with Minnesota, like you're not targeting a Detroit stack, like Arizona, LA, there's no clarity on the quarterbacks. I guess you could look to Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati, but I'm not sure how competitive that game is going to be overall. So I think my stacks will be fairly condensed this week, just with the lower ownership at the top of the position, similar to last week with Mahomes, where we had that ridiculous ownership on him and Kyle and I and yourself were arguing, even though it's high owned, it's probably not high owned enough. I know that game dudded, but I think the same thing holds true here for a lot of the stacks at the top, like 3.4% for green Bay. That's far from efficient in my eyes. Same thing goes with Atlanta and a lot of the stacks already mentioned. No doubt about it. Guys, remember before we go, you see it at the bottom of the screen. Two things, as a matter of fact. One, 21 days of Osmo Plus Platinum for $20. Okay, just check it out. I promise you're going to like it. Uh, and follow us on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter yet, it's great to have for DFS, specifically for basketball, but for football as well. I'll throw some notifications up on my phone so I always know when, when news is breaking. And, and, and it really does help a lot. So follow us as well at Matt underscore Gajeski, Kyle Dvorak at Kyle tweets here and myself at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D and follow the awesome handles as well. Kyle, it's the last one of the season. Any parting words for all of our viewers who are stuck with us for 17 weeks. Uh, thank you for being stuck with us for 17 weeks. I hope we provided you some value because like, honestly, as like listeners, watchers, you provided me some value. You gave me employment. Essentially, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be on this show. And I honestly, I still don't know why they have me on this show. I tout Sammy Watkins every week and it goes about as expected, but uh, no, I hope, I hope you learned something. I like that we get to talk more about how we view the game than just like, here are the plays on this show. It's always my favorite to like try and improve myself. And I hope we, improved each other. I know working with Matt and you, Lofty, has improved my game. I hope it improved the listener's game. I'm excited for this week. I think it should be a good week. We have a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of like information advantages. So good luck, everyone. If I don't win something, I hope you do. Beautifully said. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, Lofty, thanks for being a great host, Jordan. Thank you. Behind the scenes, always putting the show together. Kyle, it's been fantastic working with you on, seems like 17 shows a week. And then everyone in the chat, everyone who watches the videos, 
you're the reason we can all do this for a living. And I appreciate it very much. It's a dream of mine to be able to do this. So thank you for all of the support. It means a lot to me. You guys took the words out of my mouth. Kyle, Matt, awesome job all season long. It's been a lot of fun. And you guys provide a ton of great information. Jordan, thanks for producing. I'm not going anywhere. Like, we still are going to be doing shows. This isn't the end of Awesome, but it's the end of this show. Uh, but there is a lot more coming up throughout the day, as there always is. You, you, you need not look elsewhere for daily fantasy content anymore. We've got you covered on the Awesome o YouTube channel or at awesomeo.com. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Deeper Dive coming up at 530, uh, and then Live Before Lock coming up at 630 for NBA. And then these guys will be back with you. Um, I'm assuming one more strategy show tomorrow for FanDuel, right? Should I actually be. don't know. Like I would assume you, so. I haven't. I checked the 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 schedule once at the morning when I wake up and find out I'm doing shows. I well, assume though we are doing a panel. I we just are. checked. Cool. We'll see you guys back here soon. Strategy shows to close out the week, and we'll be doing a lot for the postseason, a lot for NBA as well. We'll see you soon.